learn that the ancient high priest uh, connected the church to the Father, and there is Aaron in 100, Psalm 133. But really, you know when you were children and you put Spider-Man costumes on and you thought you were Spider-Man, you become that person. That's basically what Aaron was doing there. He was basically just dressing up as Jesus, um, as the high priest, because he's just a representative of Jesus, okay? Um, so we've learned that Jesus is the high priest who pours out his heavenly blessings on church. We also learned that Adam and Eve, that story was actually not about dating lessons and there's nothing more important in life than getting married. It's not really about that. It's about Jesus and his bride, the priest and his bride. I had an argument actually with my family, uh, my three sisters, who always bully me, by the way, if you wanted to know. Um, we had an argument after, because I'm preaching through this, and I was like, I reckon the most blessed people in the Bible and in church history are single and celibate people. And it's a lie that we're telling children that they have to get married or their life is worthless. And anyway, and then my whole family were like, what are you talking about, Owen? All of the people in the Bible are pretty much married, and I'm like, no, they're not. And it's an ongoing argument. So if you want to join in... Um, have a look and have a think about all of the people who live full, maximum, blessed lives and they're single but part of church life. It's an interesting study. I've got a list now of people that I'm forming from the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus, that's, it should have ended there, the argument, shouldn't it? Yeah, anyway. Then we had two quizzes last week or the week before um, and we learned that we're brought into church to do good works for Jesus and for each other. And that church outlives all other powers. We read that in Ephesians. All right. Okay, so I got a few questions for today's one. And I love that it's communion because it is all about the death of the Lord, the death of the priest. A few questions. Do human beings find it more easy to be bad or to be good? I'll let you think about that. Take a few seconds. Is it easier for us to be bad or good on the whole? Yeah, that's a spicy one, isn't it? All right, next question, which should be tied to it. It was in my head when I prepared it. Um, how are churches made? And how does the priest form his church? All right. Next question. Have you ever organized anything? And was it easy or hard? Have you ever organized anything which involved people? And was it easy or hard? Right? Okay, I got more. When people are involved, is it hard or easy to organize things, a group? What does it cost the Lord to organize church and how does he organize it? That's the subject this morning. Um, parents in the room, do you remember getting ready for school runs in the morning? Two hours of just trying to organize clothes onto the children. And then you get back from school and you're ready for bed. That's your day's effort gone. That's just organizing shoes. It's like shoes, shouting, tears. And that's just me. Um, then I get back, I'll forget it. I'm going back to bed for the rest of the day and the night. Like, oh, and that's just organizing clothes onto two children. What about 
organizing bigger groups, not to just put clothes on. Well, no, forget the clothes thing. What about organizing, uh, not clothes, focus Owen, organizing a group, that's the word, to have a shared view? Hmm, That's harder. Have you ever tried that? And let's add it even tougher. What about organizing a group to have a shared view to admire someone which isn't themselves? How's that going to go? We're gathered here together, and it's not about us today. Hmm. I think we'd quickly learn that humans aren't actually that easy to work with or that good in some situations. Imagine trying to change a group's heart to start worshipping something new or someone else. Um, All right, quiz. No, it's not a quiz, actually. It's a story. And it's back to my quiz question. Are humans easy? Uh, Is it easier to be good or bad? Right. So I was in Starbucks not too long ago and needed the toilet, but I had all of my laptop and work out. And I asked the person next to me, didn't know them, can you just watch my laptop? Right. What do you think they did? Most people are going to say what? They're going to say yes, especially in this part of Cardiff, isn't it? This is what we'd expect. And lo and behold, came back, lady had not stolen my laptop. Thank you very much. So you can ask people to do good things, and a lot of people will do good things. All agreed? Yes. All right. What if, though, you start asking people to change their political allegiance to match yours? Will they be as friendly as, can you just look after my laptop, please? What do you think about that? In this politically heated climate. I don't, I don't ever tell anyone my political views because what I found is early on, they won't listen to anything else I say once they know my political views. They just won't, they shut down. All right, what about this? What if you ask someone to give their heart to a Lord to rule over them? Excuse me, lady in Starbucks. Thanks for looking after my laptop. By the way, can Jesus have your lordship? No, can he be your Lord? He wants your heart, everything in your life. What do you find then? You find, generally on planet Earth, reluctance for that one, don't you? And in many countries, outright hatred towards that notion. And in this way, if Jesus is light, that's why tons of people on planet Earth in the Bible are called children of darkness. Because if you reject the light, where else is there to go but darkness? And when Jesus summed up the law of his Father, love the Lord and others as much as you love themselves, that's when you find it's easier to be bad than to be good. That's certainly my personal experience. Therefore, I put to you, as we think this morning, and what it costs the priest to gather his bride, it costs a lot of effort. It cost him a lot to form his church. I'm going to be honest. Naturally, I war against God. I just do. From the moment I wake up, I've got this mountain of me to fight before serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Here's the toddler's rule. Don't know if it's familiar with you or if you agree with it. Here's the toddler's rule of life involving toys. If it's mine, it's mine. 
If you want it, it's mine. If I want to play with it, it's mine. If it's yours, it's mine. If you saw it first, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> Do you find that? It's, it is, isn't it? And then when that, though, forms into like adulthood, that sort of attitude, from the perspective of heaven, we can do quite horrific things, which are all about self, which is dead against what God wants church to be like. <coughs> How does the Lord gather all of us nutters together? Really, people who are out for themselves. How does he do it? The answer is, as we have communion over here, it costs the blood of the high priest, the blood to deal with rebellious humans and set us free, not just from death, which that sort of godlessness ends up in, but that deathly behavior. It cost the priest his life to change us. Um, it cost the priest his blood to get us to do good works for him because naturally we're dead against it. And it cost him his life to bring us here this morning where we get to discover together how he wants us to live the new type of life of heaven on earth. Now, this is where it gets a bit confusing. Um, I, I'll try my best now. I'm going to tie a few strands of thought together and hope it makes sense. Why is Jesus the focus of this church? Why are all of our actions and thoughts focused on him as he reveals his Father in heaven to us? He's the image of God. But why? Why are we to be ending up to be like him fully? That's the end of church, but why? All right. Another question linked to that, which should all make sense. Have you noticed this? Everyone at the moment from my generation and younger, and it's different from the past generation, are on a happiness quest. But none of them are happy. Have you noticed that? Like teenagers and that can be so lost, depressed, and anxious. Everyone's on a happiness quest at the moment. Not very many people are happy. It's really noticeable at the moment. Why? Well, here's the answer. Because we should be on a truth quest. Because if you don't get truth, everything else is false and a lie, isn't it? Because truth is truth, and everything outside of that naturally is a lie. And truth is, according to the Word of God, Jesus. He says that about himself all of the time. So, have humans forgotten what they're made for? And as a result, aren't happy. Because if you don't get truth, you're not going to get happiness, not for very long. In the end, church has been bought and gathered together to do what? Lift Jesus up and to be like him. And only church offers that. And what's interesting is, when you start reconnecting with the priest and living his life in church... You do have to do things which might not make you happy. But because it leads to truth, you end up happy. That's the thing with church. So, <laughs> pinning all this together, what 
what does it cost the priest to gather us together? It cost him his blood to live his life now to transform us together. Forget happiness. In church, we're gathered together to do it his way. And it just so happens because he's truth, we end up happier along the way. And there's one massive thing that we do in church in his image, which really doesn't make us happy when we do it at first, but it's the best thing in the world, and it's why we've been gathered together, and it just so happens it's the thing that is what cost the priest his blood to get us. You're like, oh, and what on earth are you talking about? Yeah, I get it. All right, Nick, can we just have John 12 up? Because everybody's confused, and I'm about to get sacked. So let's quickly get it up. So there's John 12 on really small font. Sorry, that's my fault. All right, John 12. My first question is for you. Well, actually, I've asked about 100. My 100th question is, how does the Father in heaven gather church together? And it's all in this passage, which is all about Jesus' death and all that forgiveness stuff that we're going to think about now. Did you pick up? That is my first question. How does the Father gather church together? What does it cost? The answer is he calls them to deny themselves and follow Jesus. That's in this passage. What does it take to draw people like us to church? The answer all over this passage is, in the 32, when I, says the priest, Jesus, am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. Welcome to church. If you have an interest in the living God this morning and other people, do you know why that is? It's because the priest was lifted up. And that is what it cost the Father to change people like us this morning, to stop living for ourselves, start living for God and for other people. Some spin-off questions as we wrap all this up. What do you do with someone or yourselves when you just don't feel like going to church or being part of it anymore. What do you do with such people? I feel too bad for church today. Or I've not had a good week with God, so I can't possibly go to church. Or I'm too busy. What's the answer? Jesus lifted up on a cross is the answer for such people. All right. Okay. What do you say to people who say no to church because I'm not in a good place? You say, what are you talking about? Church is where Jesus is lifted up on a cross. We can all get involved with that because it's not about if you've had a good week. Because church centrally is not about us. It's about the death of Jesus on the cross for sinners. And we just lift him up. That's what it cost him. And that's why church is great, because it's not about how good I am. That. The basis of church is what it cost God to bring us here. Jesus lifted up. And when we see him lifted on the cross, then raised, then ascended, we say Jesus high over all. All right. 
So what's that going to mean for me this week, Owen? If it costs Jesus his life to bring us to this place, to change our hearts, what difference will that actually make? Okay, first of all, we see that we aren't that good and deserving, but that's all right, because Jesus has died for us. Look at what he went through for us. We just know we are loved. We know it. Look at what he's gone through, and that breeds peace. And that breeds the other thing that church offers, forgiveness. We've been forgiven. Here's a question. What if you only forgive or love or show interest in people when they are good and deserving? How's that going to go? That's like a horrible worldview, isn't it? The bride of the priest, nope. He was lifted up for us. It cost him everything. So guess what? In church, we now live his life, and we forgive people when they don't deserve it. This is the amazingness of church. We literally move forward together in forgiveness. That's what it cost him. All right, it's going to cost us along the way. Is it going to make me happy? I don't know. It hurts to forgive. To truly forgive in church is what we do. And it's true. And it leads to true joy and peace that nothing else in the world can offer. The bride of the priest. Are you married? Anyone in the room married? Guess what? You don't just forgive your spouse when they are good and deserving. In church... We forgive because God is good and the priest is deserving of our forgiveness towards others that he loves. Um, in one of the books I've got, it says, when men argue, they, uh, the women, you're going to love this if you're anywhere near any man in life. When men argue, they sometimes get historical. Don't you mean hysterical? No, historical. They keep digging up the past. Have you found that? We're like that, aren't we? It's like, what? How is that like the priest who got lifted up? That's not costly forgiveness. We need to get better at that. Where Jesus was lifted up. Look at what it cost him for the forgiveness we've had for our sins. Thing is with forgiveness, it does cost. If you've ever truly forgiven someone like Jesus forgives, it does cost blood, sweat, and tears, doesn't it? It does. Something of you has to die just like God. Isn't that amazing? Because we're in his image. It's like whether it's your expectation of someone or your ego or your pride to truly forgive. It's like, yeah, but I was partially right. Huh? Forgive. Because we are here in the image of the priest, the death of our own egos. Thankfully, I wasn't around for the hippies in the 60s. Um, but when they offer forgiveness and they sing songs about love, there's something I don't buy. There's not enough blood, sweat, and tears in the hippies' forgiveness. Um, I might be treading on some toes here, because, yeah, anyway. Um, it's more like this, true forgiveness. Love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. Isn't it? That awesome song. All right, I'll wrap it up. Church is where people who are afraid to feel guilt and grief or even to admit it, we come together to the divine priest. We see his sacrifice for us 
that we are going to heaven though we don't deserve it and we start to like get broken together in church we become humble about what our God has done and then we hear these words from the priest I'll sit with you in that I'll sit with you in that brokenness it's not a magical thing it's not sentimental lovey-dovey it's this my sinful bride you are forgiven and I am with you always and church can hurt and my way will hurt but it's true and I am with you always there are measures at the moment being taken against the coronavirus what is God's measure to combat sin and self on planet earth it's local church it is local church it's Park End Church on the Rita Penai Crossroads. That dangerous disease of sin, together, we're brought here. And it's like, yeah, it's dealt with here. It's dealt with because of Jesus. And we're going to lift him up and remember him now. We've been set free to be members of his church. What do you do with someone who's like, oh, I can't be bothered going to church today. I've just been too sinful. It's like, hey. I've got the perfect place for you to come, my sinful friend. What do you do with this guy? I can't forgive myself. I just cannot ever forgive myself. You say, <clears throat> excuse me, mate. Jesus forgives you, and his opinion matters more than what you think about yourself. Get over yourself and lift Jesus up. And so we read around the bread, of the, the bread and the wine, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes and guess what if we forget that church unravels there's nothing special about church anymore we'll all go back to just trying hard to please god and then feeling damned when we when we sin or trapped or we feel we have to come to church otherwise Owen's going to notice I'm not there and he's going to ring me and tell me off or my wife is going to be angry at me uh oh I haven't read my Bible today I bet God doesn't love me anymore or um, I've sinned again I bet there's no place for me anymore I feel down all that will happen the moment we forget to lift him up and live his life of forgiveness and peace for his name's sake amen right let us sing as the communion uh, people come and gather at the front songs for worship and we'll stand and sing we come as guests invited thank you very much <laughs>